Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Dusty, you don't think of him as a bullpen guy. They, they made some really good moves in the, in the later innings of that game. Good for Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker, you're looking for a cohesive plan? Put Dusty Baker out there. He's fully masked up and with the gloves on. Yeah. Except eighth inning. He Does he have a toothpick? A I don't think he has a toothpick. Because there's the no mask. room inside the mask for a toothpick? I wouldn't be. It'd be sort of hard to roll it over. Yeah, we should find out about that. This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. So I was all set up to do a podcast with a beginning, a middle, and an end. And then I got a phone call after Nigel. Nigel comes over in the morning, and he delivers the Bethesda bagels, and he delivers the reeds, and he delivers the email. And then he leaves, and he goes back home, and he puts on his headset or whatever he puts on, Superman outfit. And he plugs in, and we're ready to go. So I get a phone call. It's 8.40 in the morning now or somewhere around there. And I get a phone call five minutes ago from Nigel that there's no power. Michael, what was your first reaction as to why there was no power? Oh, I didn't think he paid the bill. Right. So so did you pay the bill? So you're on a phone yes. line now. Why Does your entire area have no power, or is it just you? No, it's the entire area. I noticed when I was driving by American University on Nebraska Avenue that, yeah. oh, that light that was working when I drove past it, you know, 15, 20 minutes ago is now not working. And as I drove into Glover Park, none of the lights were working. I didn't see any lights on any buildings or anything like that. And I thought, well, maybe my house will be okay, which, of course, well, it but, isn't. So, okay, but the probability is this is a relatively quick fix. Right, you would think would this think is a. So. It's not like there's a yeah. storm. It's not for like selfish a... reasons. I'm hoping. <clears throat> now, when you ask about the entire area, do we think this extends to the yeah. Greater Kornheiser household? Yeah. Does is Michael's house involved in this? Was he... the hammer playing with the outlet again? <laughs> or is it a squirrel? Sometimes squirrels eat the, the the wiring in the box. Sometimes it could be it could be a squirrel or a chipmunk or something like that. I think. For some reason, Michael, I think you're, the way you live, even though we live very close to each other, I think there's a line around like Calvert Street um, where everything south of that will be fine. So I think, I think you'll actually be okay. Um, okay, but you and, have and no, not, there's no reason you're saying that. You're just saying that. You're, it's not like you work for Pepco. Yeah, you don't know what you're talking about, to be fair. <laughs> I, have, I mean, to I be have fair. zero idea, but I'm trying right. to be as positive as possible. And I actually, okay. I do generally think because this, this area, I've lived here for like 12, 15 years. I've only lost power once because I think we're on the same grid as the uh, as Homeland Security and maybe even the vice president's oh. residence. So we right. never lose power. So it's, it's I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that they will fix this rather quickly. But I guess I should change that guess. And you will you will be able to tell because you have left a light on. And when the light comes on, you'll be able to tell. Right. Yes. Yes. All of yeah. a sudden. Everything will come back on. There'll be lights and there'll be sound. So, yes, I, I should know. Okay, well, able. stay on the phone for a while, <clears throat> you know, until your power comes back on. And, we'll and again, try on. auto pay in the future. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> Michael, was, Michael was very quick to say you didn't pay your electricity bill. Very quick on that. So, all right. Um, let me get a, another little piece of business out of the way. I was, I was not surprised so much because I knew it was coming, but very pleasantly surprised at the amount of wonderful food that was delivered to this house today at 7.30 in the morning. And it is courtesy of Harley Magnet. Now, Harley, Harley and Aaron are brothers who own Window Nation. I have done ads and reads for Window Nation for many years when I was on regular radio 
And then when we moved over, not so much on the podcast, when we moved into the studios at WMAL, I agreed to do reads for Window Nation. I have Window Nation windows in my house and in the little house. I don't even feel the cold air creeping in. No, it's re- so it's really nice. It's a lovely company, and I've done this. And, and you know, and I joke back and forth with Harley uh, all the time, and, and we have a, a relationship. We have a texting relationship. Well, he's got a deli. He opened up a deli called Mikey and Mel's Famous Deli. Now, it is not near where I'm sitting now in Washington, D.C. It's in Fulton, Maryland. It's on 8191 Maple Lawn Boulevard in Fulton, Maryland. And, Michael, you've sort of figured out that Fulton, Maryland is about halfway between here and Baltimore. We had to go to Google Maps for this. Right. So it's not an area area I'm familiar with. Um, But it's a new deli, and Mikey is their dad, is Harley and Aaron's dad, who passed away. And they named the deli for him. And Mel, I don't know who Mel is. Maybe it's a brother or a friend, or maybe it just sounds good. Mel, I don't know. But it's Mikey and Mel's famous deli. In bold letters on the menu that came with the delivery, Dad just has underlined, who's Mel? Yeah, I wrote down who's Mel, because I wanted to know who Mel was. And Harley will eventually tell me. The food, they got a brisket sandwich, a whitefish sandwich, a lox sandwich, potato pancakes, which are really good. I started eating them. Yeah, I started eating them. And I'm very grateful for, and and a big box of pickles, which is great. Like great half sour pickles. Yeah, so this is wonderful. So we're very, very happy. And, and with what I've eaten so far, I can recommend this. So if you are in the area of Fulton, Maryland, you can go to Mikey and Mel's Famous Deli. And if Harley or Aaron are there, and I doubt that because they're probably busy with Window Nation, but you can say you heard about it on this particular podcast. Maybe they'll toss you a pickle or something like that, which would be very nice. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that. And now we can get into the actual guts of the show. Before we do that, Mr. Tony, uh, I have power again. So, so that didn't last all that long, did it? Thank you. To Great. The no, but that yeah. really wasn't important enough to interrupt me for. Just go on the regular power and get off the phone. Thank you. The regular power. Yeah, the regular power. So I was completely wrong. Yesterday on PTI, Wilbon and I completely wrong. One of the things we talked about, however briefly, was we both thought the Tennessee Titans would lose last night. We said, well, how, how could they be focused on football? They've got all these coronavirus things running around them. They haven't been able to practice. There's been no ability to isolate themselves on football. No, they're not going to win. Buffalo's an undefeated team. Buffalo will win. Tennessee killed Buffalo. Josh Allen is now out of the MVP running, right? He had two interceptions. Derrick Henry, to my great delight, had a... a, you know, a, a straight arm. What do they call that when they push a guy away? A stiff arm? A stiff, a stiff arm. arm. A stiff arm. I thought you were going on the regular show. You, you sound like you're on the phone still. Well, when I am, I still have to wait for the internet router to, to reset. Oh, okay. So it'll be a oh, couple of dial, dial up. Okay. So it was a stiff arm to Josh Norman, <laughs> the horribly overrated and overpaid Josh Norman, who just sucked money out of the Washington football team franchise for three or four years and now is on Buffalo, and he was left. He was just pushed aside like a little doll, pushed aside. Get out of here, Josh Norman. Go to Spain. Run with the Bulls. Get out of my face, and just pushed him away. And so I was really, really wrong on this game, as was Wilbon. Uh, you know, I mean, ten- Tennessee's good. Okay, now, now you look at Tennessee, a team that got last year to the finals. Did they beat Baltimore? 
and they got to the finals of the AFC where they lost to Kansas City. Now you look at Tennessee and Ryan Tannehill in his second year, more comfortable with that offense, and you say, you know what, that's a good team. That is a potential championship Does team. this become the rallying cry for the entire season? Co- coronavirus? Yeah. Sure, it did with the Miami Marlins. And the Cards. And the Cardinals, sure, I'm sure it does. And let us now get to baseball. Um, the big news yesterday for the Dodgers was Clayton Kershaw couldn't pitch, and they put in Tony Gonzalez, who pitched f- three or four good innings, and then, well, he didn't really. I mean, Freddie Freeman, Freddie Freeman, who is the best player in baseball against the Washington Nationals. There's no doubt about that. He is the Washington Nationals kryptonite, Freddie Freeman, and he's apparently this for everybody as well. Yeah, you finally realize it. It's for everyone. Yeah, and people like him. You know, opposing players at first stop and chat and smile. to get there. They like him. He had another home run, his second in two games early in the game again. Do not throw him inside. Hit an opposite field single RBI, made a great play at first base, could probably catch a Jose Altuve throw. He's the one who could do it. Probably the Braves went out and destroyed the Dodgers early. The Dodgers came back late. Everyone is saying this is a great moral victory for the Dodgers, but they didn't win the game. They didn't win the game. They lost eight to seven. Melanson got the last out and the Dodgers are down. to It's not one, one. The Dodgers are down two zero. if they figured it out. Fine. I don't know that they have. That's why they're playing another game today. Your thoughts on, on the Braves and the Dodgers. It's the Freeman thing coming back to to what he suffered before the season, and he had coronavirus. He had bad a bad experience with it. Yes. If we come back to the fever, and you looked at the numbers he put up, if he's not your MVP, he's in your top two or three. Got to be the MVP, along with Azuno and, even and Acuna Jr. Acuna Jr. And it comes back to I was thinking about what the broadcast booth said about Bueller and walks in Game One, which is he didn't view them as something that really changed momentum. And if you looked at the way that Mr. Anderson pitched he gave up some walks early and they could have been they could have been game-changing walks and he then got someone to roll over a ball and he was able to move on and you saw the way the pitching coach he goes four innings every start and gives up nothing and And then on the flip side you look at gonsolin and you look at what happened when he got through the first couple innings the first time through in about 30 pitches nine inning or nine pitches in the first inning and he gives up that walk to acuna jr and acuna jr he's dancing on the base path from the stretch he doesn't look comfortable on the mound and that's where he starts missing pitches uh, to Freeman, who it's a no-doubter. It's a no-doubter. And then you see even later in the game, they start working these counts. So you get to the point where Ozzy Albies can just lift something to center field. And then all of a sudden, it's just they're piling on the runs. And it wasn't even the Freeman one that was the decider. It's those middle-of-the-game middle add-ons. So they, it got to the point where the lead was just too much where no ninth inning could come, come back. The Dodgers didn't win. They scored a lot of runs. They showed you what their lineup looked like, lefty and righty. But the Dodgers didn't win the game. The Braves won. The Braves were up 2-0. If you like the Dodgers, they have to win four out of five. That's hard to do, four out of five, against a really good team. The Houston Astros are in worse shape. They have to win four in a row. They're down 3 nothing. Jose Altuve made another throwing error. Does Altuve have the yips? Yeah, this Actual is the question, the question to, to Dusty Baker. Does Altuve have the yips? We've seen this. Steve Blass couldn't pitch. Something happened, could not pitch, could not get the ball over the plate. He was an all-star pitcher. Chuck Knobloch, Steve Sachs. Second baseman could not throw the ball. Were out of the majors in a relatively short time. They were all stars. Both of them couldn't throw the ball. 
it infects your mind when this happens. I don't know if it's happened to Altuve, but he's got four errors in three games. To be I think. fair, he also lifts it out of the park. Yeah, he's a great he's a great hitter. He's a great hitter, so we don't know. We're going to actually talk in a little bit. We're going to talk with um, Ben Ryder, who has done a podcast called The Edge about the Astros cheating. So I don't want to get too much into the Astros thing now, but it looks like they're done. Uh, you know, there's only one team that's ever come back from 3-0 in baseball. That was the Red Sox against the Yankees. So you don't want to bet you don't want to bet on the Astros at this point. Their run may be over. Um, they're a good team, though. But, but also, to be fair, last year, they had Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole, the two best pitchers in the American League. They're both gone. Verlander with an injury and Cole to the Yankees for a whole lot of money. So they don't have... They don't have the same kind of pitching, and it appears... And they don't have Will Harris. Well, yeah, they don't have Will Harris, another stiff who joined the Nationals. Who How about Blake Trinan two nights ago? You know, he was disastrous. Blake Trinan, that made me so happy. Blake Trinan, who had rehabilitated himself in Oakland and then went to the Dodgers, had a disastrous ninth inning. I called, sorry, up, I called up Jared. I woke him up yesterday, and I started screaming, Blake Trinan stinks. He stinks. He, it was, he, walked oh, into the, he walked in the game at 1-1. He walked out 5-1. All right? You just, it I, gets the first strike quickly. We've seen that. We've seen that here. He's got terrific stuff. Yeah, great. Until it goes out of the park for the other guy. Um, the other thing that I would say is that Kevin Cash, and I don't know him, are, 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 we like Matt on the team. Friend of the show. Yeah, friend of the show. We like Matt. We hope Matt gets a job out of this, like a managerial job. But Kevin Cash surely knows his pitchers. He knows but he when to nervous put them in. All, with he every decision. He, certainly, I, he knows what he's doing. So we'll take a break um, at this point. Uh, take a break, and we will come back, as I said, with Ben Ryder to talk about this particular podcast. Okay? Nigel, is that okay? Are you on, are you on speaker? What are you on? Are you on the phone now? What are you doing? I'm still on the phone. We're going to switch over to the internet um, during the break. But yes, Ben will be on with us next. Sean, you think this will work with Nigel? Uh, I feel pretty confident, yes. Well, but, he has the internet. But if you zapped him, you know, when he never showed up again, it's all right. All right, I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the FrameBridge read. Michael, why don't you just talk about FrameBridge? Because you've got a whole bunch of things. You've got a gallery wall from FrameBridge. We do have the gallery wall with important places from uh, the early years of our marriage, where we got married, the beach, everything. And now we have a growing collection with the boys. So, FrameBridge makes it easier and more affordable than ever to frame your favorite things without ever leaving the house. Add a gallery wall to your home office or send the perfect gift. From art prints and diplomas to the photos sitting on your phone, you can FrameBridge just about anything. See how they do that? They make it into a verb. Just go to FrameBridge.com and upload your photo, or they'll send you packaging to safely mail in your physical pieces. I would have to do that. I don't know how to do the phone thing. I don't have any pictures. Preview your item online in dozens of frame styles and gallery wall layouts. Choose your favorite or get free recommendations from their talented designers. The experts at FrameBridge will custom frame your item, deliver your finished piece directly to your door, ready to hang. And instead of the hundreds, you would pay at a framing store. Their prices start at $39, and all shipping is free. Plus, my listeners will get 15% off their first order at framebridge.com when they nice use the bad. code Tony K. Uh, you're interrupting the show. Okay. Um, Michael, look over your right shoulder and talk about something that's framebridged right there. Well, our partners actually took a photo from the two of us, Amen Corner at the Masters practice round from 2018, 
And we get to look at that every day when we do the show. Isn't that nice? There's one with the boy, but I'm going to ignore that one. That's all right. Get started today. Frame your photos or send someone the perfect gift. Go to framebridge.com, F-R-A-M-E-B-R-I-D-G-E, framebridge.com. Use the promo code Tony K to save an additional 15% on your first order. Just go to framebridge.com, promo code Tony K. And one more time, framebridge.com, promo code Tony K. And what do we say? Use the code, people. Use the code. This, this is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by our friend Brett Wiskins. He says, Dear Mr. Tony Attached, you'll find my brand new song, October, co-written by my producer, Tom Doherty. It's available on all streaming platforms or on brettwiskins.com, B-R-E-T-T. W-I-S-C-O-N-S dot com. I wonder if that's his real name or if he's from Wisconsin and that's what he wanted to do. Thank you for your continued support of independent original music and open pit barbecue sauce, which is just great. I used it the other day. Crust up I used it the other day on chicken. It's just tremendous. Every night with the chicken. And by the way, Brett Wiskins has opened for Bon Jovi and Hootie and the Blowfish, by the way. This guy is good. The song is available on Friday. You can pre-order it on brettwiskins.com, and he plays in Ben Ryder. I don't know Ben Ryder. I will tell you this small story is how Ben Ryder got on this show. We are partners with Cadence 13, um, and they control a bunch of podcasts as they try to produce a podcast empire, and they've been very good to us, and we got a call talking about Ben Ryder, who has worked for Sports Illustrated for a long time, and how he has a podcast up right now on Cadence 13 called The Edge. So we start with this. What is what is the podcast about? Is it complete now? And what is sort of the headline of it as we get into this story? Tone, well, nice to meet you. You know, the podcast is about the Houston Astros, um, which is a story I thought I knew well. Uh, back in 2014, I wrote a story for Sports Illustrated when they were the worst baseball team in half a century, that they were onto something, that they were going to win the World Series in 2017. That ended up being the cover of Sports Illustrated. Well, it actually happened. And then I wrote a book called Astroball about how they'd done it. But I and everybody else, Tony, had missed something. I had missed the sign stealing that was going on behind the scenes. I'd missed the cheating scandal that came out last year. So when that happened, I felt a deep personal and journalistic responsibility to go back and figure out how I'd miss this, what happened, why it happened, to get to the bottom of the story. And the result is The Edge, the six-part podcast that is, uh, that's out now that you just mentioned. Okay. So I was a writer for a long time, and I got things wrong. And sometimes the public knew I got them wrong. Most of the time, I just knew I got them wrong. And I always felt a deep sense of shame when I got something wrong. I always did. I took it very personally. I'm assuming, Ben, you felt the same way. I'm assuming you felt, how could this have happened to me? How could I have missed this? How could I have misjudged their characters? You're, you're right. I did feel all those things, Tony. Um, and I went back, as I'm sure you have, when you missed something. Yeah. I went back mm -hmm. through my notes, and I went back through dozens and dozens of hours of recordings, because it's not like this was a one-time story for me. This was a story I covered for years and wrote yeah. a book about. And I went back to try to see, was there any thread I could pull or I could have pulled in the past that would have unraveled this thing? And honestly, 
I don't think that there was. This was hidden. This was a secret. This was a secret for many people in the organization. But what I started to wonder was, was there something about the culture, right? Something about the program that was darker than I had picked up on, or even maybe darker than I'd wanted to see. That's a big part of what I'm exploring in this podcast as well. What were the specific factors, the constellation of factors that combined here to lead to what is in many ways, you know, the biggest baseball scandal in at least recent memory? So if I review uh, in my mind uh, when I first heard about this, and I heard about it as most people in America heard about it, when Mike Fires uh, then with Oakland talked about that this is what they had done at Houston, um, you know, there was a sense, and, and I will bring in Richard Justice's name because he's a dear friend and because he's a Houstonian and, and, and you know, was, he's personally aggrieved by this whole thing as well. And he, he loves Hinch. He loves Hinch. He thinks Hinch is a great manager and a great person. Um, and, and I got the sense, and Hinch was fired, and Rob Manfred said, get rid of this guy. Didn't, didn't say disband the team, but said get rid of this guy and get rid of Lunau as well. I, I, I get the sense it lands on Jeff Lunau more than on anybody else. So I would ask you, is that true? Is he at the center of this, or are there others at the center of this? Um, I'd say all of the above, Tony. We're halfway through the podcast. The third episode just came out today. Wednesday, October 14th. So we're up to episode three. We've got three more to go, and the story will get more and more complicated as we go through. I guess what I will say is I don't think that it is right to put all of this on Jeff Luno's shoulders, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the commissioner himself in the report said that it was a player-driven scheme. Um, there were many more people involved in this as well. You know, does Jeff Luno shoulder some of the blame? I think that's fair in certain ways, but he wasn't the one down there pulling this thing off. In fact, there were certain things that after the commissioner interviewed dozens and dozens of players, reviewed tens of thousands of messages, um, couldn't still really pin it on Jeff Luno. So that's one of the things that I am looking at and will continue to look at as the series goes on. What exactly culturally led to this? And I agree with you about A.J. Hinch. He is by all accounts a man of integrity, uh, a good man, a good leader, uh, but he didn't stop this. You know. Well, they Why? all cheated. They all cheated. Right. Nobody came out and said, we are cheating and it has to stop. Nobody did that on that particular team, including Hall of Famers. Justin Verlander's going to the Hall of Fame. There's no doubt about that. And, and not only didn't he say this has to stop, but for a while, he, they didn't even want to admit that this was going on. How could that be? How could it was it just the, that the results were so good and they were in too deep? I mean, nobody stood up, right? Right. And, you know, episode three, which comes out today, focuses pretty heavily on Carlos Beltran, uh, who's a man of yeah. great integrity by all accounts and was also a ringleader of this. You know, how does that happen? One of the things I do in this episode is go back through the long history of sign stealing in baseball, which was something that was done relatively openly by some of the biggest names in the sports history, right? Roger yep. Hornsby, Bob Felder yep. brought a telescope back from World War II, put it in the scoreboard in Cleveland to use it to steal signs, right? This is a long history in, uh, of sign stealing in baseball. So why did it go to a new level in the Houston clubhouse? Uh, that's one of the things I'm looking into as well here.
Are you done with it? Is it is I mean, you know all the answers. Are are you done with the podcast and just releasing it week after week, or are you still actually doing it? We're pretty much done with it. Um, putting finishing touches on you know the last episodes here, but certainly know where it's going to go. And I think I know all mm-hmm. more or less that I that I'm going to know about this story. Well, yeah, I, I was going to say, unless in your last episode you say they didn't really cheat, most of us know where it ends. It ends with the <laughs> fact that everybody knows they really cheat. So I, that leads to a bunch of questions about this year, um, which is I really believe. They skated this year because they didn't have to play in front of fans. And I wonder if you believe the same. <laughs> well, I'll say that there will be some prizes, uh, at, some surprises at the end uh, for sure. There's things that I certainly didn't know and I don't think the public knows that will come out. As to your question, yeah, I think they did. You know, one thing that I heard from a lot of people, and it's a little distasteful tone, is that the Astros got lucky because of this pandemic. You know, you hate to say something like that given all the devastation and illness. Yes. Yes. But they didn't have to face fans, right? Like, they, they didn't have to uh, be the villains of baseball as they now will be. I think in the long run, it won't matter, right? Like, these guys' rings are tarnished forever. This will always be with them. It'll always be with Justin Verlander. It'll always be with Carlos Beltran. It'll always be with Altuve and Correa and Bregman, no matter what. And if they have to face the wrath of fans whenever fans get back in the ballpark, fine. But, you know, I talked to this guy, Dave Trembley, who was a third base coach for the Astros a few years ago, um, and he said, you know, this is something that these guys will have to live with no matter what for the rest of their lives. And I, I think that's absolutely true, whether they got it from fans this year or not. Okay, this is interesting now to me because I heard Carlos Correa today defending Jose Altuve in a clip about how he's going to go to the Hall of Fame. Is he going to go to the Hall of Fame? If he's part of the cheating scandal, is he going to go to the Hall of Fame, in your opinion? Oh, well, I am a voter now. As of last year, I had my first vote, Tony. I'm not sure if he has the resume yet. Uh, I haven't looked at his, the sum of his career. Well, let's point. say he does. But- let's say he does, like Alex Rodriguez. He's got the resume, and he's never getting in. He's never getting in. Is Jose Altuve going to get in? Are you going to bl- Okay, so you're going to blackball Jose Altuve if say by the time he retires at 38, 39, 40, or whatever, he has Hall of Fame numbers, are you going to blackball him because he was involved in this sign-stealing scheme? And in fact, Jose Altuve, if you look at some studies of what people are actually doing, he was the guy who didn't use the trash can bags, right? Like, there were a few guys on the team who didn't actually use them. It was him, it was Josh Reddick, it was Tony Kemp. Right. So does that play into this as well? I'm not sure you can write off his Hall of Fame candidacy 10 years, 15 years into the future because of his involvement in this. But having said that, this is something that will stain all these guys going forward. Uh, so that'll certainly play into it as well. They have acknowledged a lot of the Astros have acknowledged what happened. Have they sufficiently apologized for what happened, in your opinion? I don't think so. Right. I mean, I know that they have apologized, but I'm like you, Tony. I want the truth. Right. As a journalist, like I think sunlight is the best disinfectant. I want these guys to lay it all out there. Here's what we did. Here's who do. Here's who did it. Here is why we did it. Here's why we thought it was okay. Here's what we thought other teams were doing. And this is why we felt like we had to do it as well to keep up. Whatever the explanation may be, we haven't gotten all of that stuff yet. 
Is there a reason we haven't? Are they being prevented from talking publicly, aside from Carlos Correa and a few others here and there? It's possible. But to me, a full apology also requires a full accounting of what they did. I don't think we have that yet. And that's really part of my mission, to provide that accounting if the people who are involved won't. Uh, if Mike Fires doesn't come out publicly, is this, is this known? Does it get out, in your opinion? I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I mean, maybe somebody else would have come forward, but how rare is it to have a whistleblower like this, especially no. in an insular industry, right? It could be baseball. It could be anything else, right? It takes a lot of bravery. And I know a lot of people think, oh, Mike, Mike Fires, he's a snitch. He broke the code. No, he's not. He's heroic. No, he's not. He's, her- I, he's a hero. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, But yeah, I mean, and people say, oh, he was disgruntled because he was left off the playoff roster in 2017. They weren't very nice to him. Okay, you know, he's a truth teller to me. And I'm all for the truth and all for more of the truth. So this is this is a, a question that actually really interests me. A lot of the Astros have scattered. They've gone to other places. The Nats have Will Harris, for example. These guys are going to not, they're not going to end, all of them are not going to end their careers in Houston. Are they welcome on other teams? Are they welcome as teammates? It certainly seems that way, right? I haven't yes. seen any, any suggestion that they're not welcome as teammates. Um, it's really the guys who have stayed there as a group that are being kind of, you know, punished more, right? When you see, remember the Joe Kelly incident from July? Yep. When, yep. He, when he threw it, uh, Bregman, he threw it, Correa, they jawed going off the mound. And then he actually spoke out and said that he was protecting, like, Alex Cora and A.J. Hinch, or at least he was speaking up for them. You know, he thought it was weak that the players took immunity, and then as he said, ratted those guys out. So that's the sort of justice that these guys will face, at least as long as they're together there in Houston. I just have such difficulty with this that it, that if people criticize the team and the players on the team and then they become your teammate, they go, oh, well, yeah, but he's a good guy. I mean, I just that is that's really very difficult for me. Um, I take it you don't think they have suffered enough or do you think they've suffered enough? I don't know if it's up to me to say. Do I think that they've suffered well, you're enough? You're the only one I'm talking to. So, yeah, you've got to say <laughs> this is the question. Yeah. Um. I don't think it's about suffering for me. As I said, I think it's about giving a full accounting of what actually Mm -hmm. happened. And that also means what happened, you know, across the rest of the league. What was the environment in which this was happening? This is in no way to absolve anything that the Astros did. I think it's quite possible that they went further with it than any other team. But, you know, I I think the public deserves to know, look, this is a systemic problem at some point, on some level, in 2017 when this happened. We knew the Red Sox were doing it on some level back then. You know, they were already punished for it. So I think that that's part of it as well, not to absolve what the Astros did, but uh, to understand the, uh, the, the environment in which it happened. And I think we're still lacking that as well. Okay, so this is, Ben, this is a six-part podcast that is called The Edge. The third episode drops today, and it, does it go week by week? Will it be a six-week thing? Yep, three. The third one's out today, and then there will be one every Wednesday thereafter uh, until it's done. Okay, thank you so much. Good luck with it. Thanks, John. Nice to meet you, Ben Ryder. I like writers. I maybe I should change my name to Tony Ryder. Ryder is <laughs> such a good. It's R E I. It's not W R I. But I once I once um, had the occasion to 
write my own, I was writing for a magazine and um, it was called New Times Magazine. And you, you have that little line that says the author is so-and-so. And I wrote Tony Kornheiser as a writer. I just thought that was so pretentious. It pleased <laughs> me so much to do that. Love doing it. All right, we will take a break. Uh, when we come back, Chuck Todd will pick some games for us. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a new ad. This is so coincidental. When Nigel told me about the ad today, he said, we're doing ad for ButcherBox. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, I get that. I pay for that. I pay once a month. I buy this, right? Now maybe I don't have to anymore because I'm Sounds doing so the so confrontational no, when you say that. No, I, I buy, buy this. I do. I, I, I buy this. My daughter, Elizabeth, turned me on to this. And it's really, really, look, this is really good. Hey, brought you through March and April. Yeah, I'm going to, I'll read some of it and then I'll stop reading and I'll just tell you about it. When it comes to meat, quality matters, but there's more to it than texture and taste. Um, not everyone has convenience to high quality meat. And, and, and it says, luckily, today's sponsor, ButcherBox, believes everyone deserves high quality, humanely sourced meat. And it tells me to talk about this and talk about that and talk about the other thing. Look, I get this once a month. It comes to the house. It, it, it usually has... Some steaks, some chicken, some hamburger meat. Um, I just made hamburgers last night, ButcherBox hamburgers last night. I have never made the hamburgers when they've been anything less than great. They're foolproof. It's grass-fed. It's really good. I really like this. I can't, I just can't read this thing, you know, because I'm going to sound stupid. I get this myself. I like it. All meat is free of antibiotics and added hormones. Each box has 9 to 11 pounds of meat, enough for 24 individual meals. It's packed fresh. It's shipped frozen and vacuum sealed so it stays that way. You can customize the box or go with what you want. It's meat shipped right to your door. It's one less trip to the grocers. There are options like 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken. The chickens are great. We put a big orange in them. They're really, really good. Heritage pork, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and sugar nitrate-free bacon. It's it, this... I don't often get to do this, and I get to do it with Framebridge today, and I get to do it with ButcherBox. It's really good. Right now, ButcherBox is offering new members two lobster tails and two filet mignons for free in their first box. That's two lobster tails and two filet mignons for free in your first box. I didn't even get that. A little surf and turf. I'm I'd like up. that. I didn't get that. Wow. <laughs> Just go to ButcherBox.com slash Tony. That's Butcher, B-U-T-C-H-E-R, Box, B-O-X, dot com slash Tony. And use the code. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Stanny Hoyer <laughs> can't throw the ball so far. Stanny Hoyer, 55 years since he passed the bar. All his life, a politician and a lawyer. But he can still throw farther than. Brian Hoyer, so Stanny Hoyer, ain't no Vladimir Putin, but Stanny Hoyer, better back up to Cam Newton, tell Robert Kraft, the Patriots employer, try Stanny next time over, Brian Hoyer. He's so brilliant. It's Dan Byrne. How great is this? 
Chuck Todd, how great is this? Dude, your listeners have been quarantining too long. They've been Just quarantining too long. So oh great. God, that is fantastic. So great you gotta, by you Dan Byrne. I have no idea whether Stenny is a TK guy or not. I have no idea. Somebody's got to send that to him. Just That's so wonderful. All right, before Chuck picks games, I have this email from Steve Durbin in Columbia, Missouri, the home of the University of Missouri. Mr. Tony, please do not waste Chuck Todd's time with silly questions such as Biden or Trump or Washington plus 2.5 or the Giants. Ask him, Hager or Roth? That's it. That's the question. Hager or Roth? And your answer is? Hager or Roth? I'm missing. Yes. Help me out here. Help me out here. Oh, I'm, I'm... Annie Van, Hale, Van Halen. Yes, oh, Annie yeah, Hagel or David yes. Lee Roth. Oh. Yes. Or David Lee Roth. Oh. Yes. Uh, look, the, the correct answer is David Lee Roth. However, I, I'm i a fan of Van Hagar. I don't think it's a... There are some people who say you cannot like Sammy. I yeah. disagree. And the, the happiest I was is when they put out a greatest hit that included both Roth and Hagar. So, you know, I, I will, I will say this right now, a couple of those songs that Hagar did, including right now, as much as some real Van Halen people, ah, you know, they get all cranky about it. Makes me feel good. Puts me in a good mood. So I'm not going to trust Sammy. All right. That's good. So there. So let's go to, uh, yeah, let's go to the, the picks. You were three and four last week. You were 18 and 16. You're plus two overall. You're killing the monkey. Um, let's start with some games. The first game on the board is a, is a game worth, I think, worth sitting down to watch. I don't know if it'll be good, but I think you would sit for this one. Cleveland plus three at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is 4-0, and amazingly, for the first time since 1979. And it's so hard to believe because they're an annual playoff team. And Cleveland has won four games in a row. They've won four games in a row. I don't trust them completely. I really don't. And I think Pittsburgh's a real good team. But Cleveland's getting three, a divisional game where Cleveland's got a lot on the line. Who do you like in this one? Well, you're not supposed to take, uh, you're not supposed to bet against home dogs in division games, right? That, that, that's something in there that, that has me nervous. But, you know, the Browns remind me a little bit of my Miami Hurricanes. They, uh, you think they were good, then they played a good team, and you went, that's right. Oh, yeah. They might be good, but they're not that good yet. They've got some that- room to grow. Cleveland. I'm worrying is a really good mediocre team, meaning mm-hmm. they may win 10 or 11 games because they can beat the bad or medi- and mediocre team, but they've played one good team and they got throttled. They did. Um, Scored six points, got killed. And, yep. and so I, I, I'm not comfortable. Um, even, I'm just not, I'm not comfortable betting against this Steeler team yet. Um, so okay. I'll take the Steelers. I know that it's the, I know that it's not the handicapper pick, right? You're supposed to take. Be careful betting on um, fa- division favorites on the road in division, but I, I don't. I'm not there in Cleveland yet. All right, Cincinnati is getting seven and a half at Indianapolis. Indianapolis was essentially unmasked last week. Their defense they gave up 37 points, I think, to Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think I got that right, um, or maybe I don't. Maybe I don't, um, but I thought I did. Cincinnati hasn't won. Joe Burrow is, you know, he's good, but they're not. Um, but you get seven and a half if you want them at Indy. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm worried about Joe Burrow. I think the question is, does he finish the season? What do you think? He'll get killed. 
Um, yeah. I think he does, but he gets hit a lot. Gets hit a lot. That yeah. it, it, it would be tragic if somehow one of these hits ends up being like a knee injury or something, you know, and it's a Carson Palmer situation where you're like, oh, no, yeah. you know, not the Bengals again, not the bad luck again and things like that. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not going to I'm, – I'm, for all the reasons we just said on, on Cincy, I, I, I'm, I don't like betting on Phillip Rivers uh, at all, but seven, uh, they, they should bounce back. They should bounce. They're a much better team than Cincinnati. Okay. Here's a line that surprised me. Chicago, which is four and one, is getting two and a half. They're getting two and a half at Carolina. Carolina's won a couple of games in a row. Matt Rule may know what he's doing. I'm just surprised. I don't know if you're surprised that Chicago plus two and a half at Carolina. I guess I am, but it's like everybody. I, I like this Carolina team. I've made a little bit of money betting on them, and now mm-hmm. it feels like people are people are catching up. People are figuring it out um, that yeah, this is a good coach with a frisky quarterback. Um, and what happens when McCaffrey comes back? They could be even better. And you know. I, I still stand by what I said last week. I still don't think the Bears are, are, are the second best team in that division. Um, so I, I'm I'm still sort of not comfortable betting on them. Give me the Panthers and that. Okay. Rule. Okay. Um, here's a game that everybody is going to watch because it's Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. It is Green Bay at Tampa Bay. I think that's Sunday night. Maybe it's a Sunday afternoon game. I'm not certain about that. Green Bay is a favorite on the road at Tampa Bay minus one and a half. Uh, that there's likely to be a lot of scoring in this game. So one and a half, you know, it may not mean much. In a in essence, it's going to be almost a pick game. Who do you like in this one? Uh, look, um, by the way, do you remember the late, great Pete Axthelm? Oh, sure. He was a pal. Sure. I knew Pete. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as a kid, my dad subscribed to every, all the news magazines. And Newsweek. I always, Pete was great. That's right. Yeah. And I preferred Newsweek because Newsweek had a sports section. None mm-hmm. of the other magazines had a devoted sports column. They Pete Axtelm and Pete Bonventry, the two yeah. Petes, and, they wrote it all Pete the time. Axtell, right. I'm a big, I grew up, I was raised a big Packers fan. And there was nothing more demoralizing when I read one day when Pete Axtelm did a story on the Battle of the Bay of Pigs. Um, and it was all about Tampa Bay and Green mm-hmm. Bay. And it, mm-hmm. it was back when they both stunk. And it, it stuck. It became the Bay of Pigs game. And I was always just so offended and so angry. I'm like, my Packers are better than that. Don't make them like Tampa Bay. Anyway, it's nice to see Green Bay and Tampa Bay play play more frequently again. Uh, give me the Packers uh, and, and Aaron Rodgers sticking it to, to Tom Brady. Pete Axtelm. I'll just, I'll just uh, wander off for a little while. One of yeah, the most, I knew I could uh, do that with you, with Pete. Yeah. Well, Bonventry and Axtelm were my friends. And, um, and Pete Axtelm is a graduate of Yale. He wrote in his 20s a book called The City Game in which he made a, a playground player named Earl Manigault into um, a legendary basketball Earl player. The, Earl the Pearl? No, no, no. Earl Manigault. Oh, okay. No, not Sorry, Earl Monroe. Earl this is, this is a guy oh, who just played, yeah, uh, just right, a playground right. player in New York City. Gotcha. Playground player in New York City. Axe was great. Axe came up with the phrase Mr. Moto, Master of the Obvious. Um, Axe closed... Uh, Runyon's and the Cowboy every single night on the east side of Manhattan. Um, I spent far too many hours there. Uh, I, I adored and revered Pete Axthelm and became, as a result, a dear friend over a long period of time with Peter Bonventry. And you're right, they were great. And, and Newsweek, yeah, time was too highfalutin to have yeah, sports. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I, I'm, sports, I'm just, 
this bothered me so much when I used to, I, you know, when you'd cover the Olympics and, uh, and you know, the guys at the Washington Post, you know, would slum it a little bit. Say, yeah, you know, I'll go out for the Olympics. I'll cover some sports for you. How tough can it be? You want to go, really? How tough can it be? Tougher than what you're doing. I mean, come on. You know, don't get me started. Kansas City, minus three at Buffalo. <laughs> Buffalo looked terrible last night. Buffalo looked terrible. I don't even know how they how they play. I don't even know if this game will, will take place because Buffalo has like an hour and a half to get ready for this game. Kansas City just lost. They're a road favorite in Buffalo by three. Who you got? I think we just lost to, him there. What I'm happened gonna, to Chuck? I'll call him right now. See, he got angry because I was insulting political people. <laughs> because it, all, all the political big shots would say, you know, I'll, I'll come and I'll cover something important for you. And then George Solomon, God bless him, would say, do you want to cover archery? You know, you want to cover, <laughs> cover sailing? Stuff that was going to go on D81. Hey. And sometimes they would do it. We lost you. What happened? Uh, I, was, you know, I was ranting. Phone, I was, phone miss. Phone mishap. <laughs> All right, Kansas City minus three at Buffalo. Buffalo looked terrible. If this is the line you can get, I would take it. Yeah, I am. I am not a big fan of uh, of what I saw last night at all. No, you would assume the Chiefs, with it, with after losing, is going to get their act together. I'm I'm all over the Chiefs. In fact, I I love the Titans last night because I thought the Chiefs. I mean, I thought the Bills were going to be looking ahead. I thought they were the ones that were a mess. My guess is they were already starting to game plan for the Chiefs. Because they thought they were playing on a Thursday night, so no, I think Buffalo's all screwed up. I'm all that's over, so all interesting. Wilbon and I yesterday were dead set against the Titans. I we know said you there's were. no way they can win this. I, I, I've, I've In fact, re- you had me nervous. I was all over them. I had made a, I'll wow. be with you. I made two different bets: one on the money line, and on Good that. For you. I was just like all. It was all about. Remember, the Bills are supposed to play tomorrow. This yeah. was gonna, I think this yeah. was supposed to be a Thursday game. And you know how they, they – so there's no doubt in my mind that they were likely trying to um, prepare for the Chiefs. It's the Chiefs, right? You know, it's a big game. So, you know, and you never that's, knew when this type of thing going to go on. So that's what I was handicapping there. And so, no, you guys – That's why you're smarter than you I am. so universally – and I was just it's like, so wait totally a minute. Wrong. These guys are – No, we don't know anything. No, no, we're no, stupid. Me, we know you nothing. You had me nervous. You had me nervous. No, well, okay, I was right this one time. Here's a line that surprises me a little bit, only because I, you know, I mean, I know that Dallas is always sort of overrated, but I do think that Andy Dalton is pretty good. Um, I do. He led a bad team to the playoffs four different times. And Arizona, after, you know, is Arizona that good? Are they really that good that they should be a two-and-a-half-point road favorite at Dallas? Who you got in this game? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Give me, give, me the Andy, give me the Andy Dalton sort of one-week honeymoon. And it may be just a one-week honeymoon. Yeah. Um, uh, unless Arizona Cardinals sign, Le- sign Le'Veon Bell. That would be an interesting spot for him. Um, the, if, Jets, if, the Jets, they should just disband. They should it's defund so the Jets. That's what people should want to defund. <laughs> my, the my Jets. Son asked, my son asked me after that, Levy. He goes, have what? they ever been good? He goes, have they ever been good? And I said, well, they used to have yeah. a quarterback named Richard Todd. One. And he I said, right. you know, he, took a, he took him to back-to-back AFC title games, I think, in the uh, mid-'80s. And I said, you know, wasn't very, wasn't very good. Um, Sanchez said, did. Yeah. Sanchez took him yeah, to back-to-back back titles. Thing. 
Title games, yeah. and then lost. They s- defund the Jets. They stink. They're stupid. <laughs> All right. Um, the Washington football team is getting three at the Giants. The Giants are 0-5, and the Washington football team is getting three at the Giants. Who you got? Why do I think it's not enough? I <laughs> they, they just gave the Giants the whole field. You saw? You, did you watch a little bit of the Giants Cowboys? Yes, yes. Did you watch? Okay, yes. right. Yeah. They looked okay. They, look like, they looked okay. I was just going to say they don't. They at least look like a professional football team. Yeah, the actual okay. football team doesn't look like a professional football team. <laughs> they just look like a football team. Um, yeah, I, I this quarterback thing seems a mess. Um, I just you know. I read something about I can't remember who 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 wrote it. I know, um, but about how just poorly Rivera's handled Haskins. I mean, it was clear he never wanted Haskins to be the starter. So if he said it at the beginning, he could have saved he could have saved Haskins' career. Said, I think that was Kevin Blackstone writing that. I think Kevin That's wrote what that. It was. Oh, yeah, it was Kevin Blackstone. Really smart yeah. piece. He's right. Yeah. I mean, Rivera met. You know, look, Dan Schneider ultimately is he's always at fault. Ultimately, you know, yes. fish rots from the head down. There's 100%. But, but Rivera, I think, has really hurt his reputation by how badly he's mishandled this. <sighs> Rivera, some weeks calls timeout. Some weeks he doesn't. By the way, in fairness yeah. to him, maybe he just, maybe it's his health. And he ought to prioritize yep. his health. But, yep. you know, yep. th- and that may be the reason, you know. And I, and I don't want to, you know, jump on the guy here. He's fighting for his life. God, you know, God bless him. God love him. But this has not been well handled. Thank you, Chuck. You're going to pick the Giants, as I would do as well. Oh, oh my and God, five. Yes. In fact, oh and five. I might, put, I might, I might put real American firm. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. All right, we'll talk All to right. you next week. Thank you, Chuck. Goodbye. And if we gave you Chuck Todd and only Chuck Todd, that would certainly be enough because you would have had the Dan Burns song on Steny Hoyer and Brian Hoyer. But we give you more. We give you a monkey. See the monkey, he's scritch, scritch, scratching, watching his iPad, smoking and laughing, hanging with Bud Grant, tap, tap, tapping on his purple attache. Nigel's going to the zoo. zoo, zoo, zoo. Reginald's got the vibes. Sometimes he throws poo, and he's had too much Johnny, Johnny Walker, Walker Blue. Blue. All right, where'd you find Reginald? Is he back in the zoo or is he still roaming around? Well, actually, uh, Reginald uh, spent the night over here. He slept over at my flat last night. Um, Ruined the power, probably <laughs> ate the cord. Well, as it turns out, when I left to go pick up the bagels, he and some of his orangutan bung- buddies oh, were swinging around on some of the power lines. He confessed this in one of the breaks, and that's why we had the power added. So he was being a bad monkey this morning. But we okay. did get a chance last night uh, while we ate some grubs. Uh, to talk about some of the games, and the first game I gave him was uh, Cleveland getting three at Pittsburgh. I don't, I don't know if you're aware of this. Reginald was actually the mayor of Cleveland in 1980 for a very you know short that. time before he had to, yeah, he had to step down eventually after some questionable activities involving <laughs> uh, a gibbon with connections to organized crime. But he go. still does have those connections to Cleveland, so he will take the Browns in, uh, and the field goal against the Steelers. Now, okay. the next, and he's very excited about that. And the next game we gave him was the Bears getting two and a half at Carolina. Now, I'm sure you've seen those those famous videos after the Bears won in 1986 of Buddy Ryan um, getting you know carried off the field by his uh, by the players. Well, by the defensive if, team. Yep. Yes. If you look very closely, Reginald, who was an assistant coach on that team in that in that year, is also being carried off, but just by one player. Jim McMahon had him on his shoulder as he sort of walked off the field. Very so, nice. Very He's nice. got tied to the Bears. He'll take the Bears. Another road 
dog that he'll take. Uh, and you know what? He'll go three for three on that because we know he's going to take the Redskins uh, game against the Giants. And uh, this was just a nice photograph of him dancing on tables at the Dancing Crab with Sonny Jurgensen. Not sure what year that's from, but clearly he's got ties to the Redskins. So he'll take the third road dog uh, getting the field goal on the road against the Giants. It's probably the 70s. All right, that's good. All right, well, we got our picks in. Tomorrow, Jeff Ma will give us some picks as well. He had a good week. Jeff Ma was 4-1. and one. We will uh, take a break, and we will come back with email and a jingle. I am Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Lincoln Financial ad. This new world we're living in has me and my family talking a lot more. I mean, we're talking about everything from how much greater was the greatest of all time than today's greatest, which is a debate all the time about Magic Johnson and and Michael Jordan and LeBron James to how to make sourdough bread. Michael brought over his own sourdough bread this morning. That's delicious. Delicious. What was that word you you said? Proof. Underproofed, I think. So in other words, proofing of a sourdough bread gives it a shape and a... a, not sure, a I, think, I think we're all a little lost on the proofing aspect, considering how the bread turned out. But this is turning into greatest of all time, my bread or Liz's. Your bread is great. Your bread is great. You're both great. I'm coming for you. To how excited we are, the football's <laughs> finally back. That last one's important. Again, I was so wrong, so wrong on Tennessee last night, and Chuck Todd was right. I can't keep watching my dog run circles in the backyard and call that a spectator sport, though I do. But despite how talkative we all are, the people at Lincoln Financial want to point out the one conversation that most people still have not had, and that is your financial plans. Do find time to talk to your loved ones about it, because the more we talk, the better we plan, protect, and retire. That's why Lincoln Financial is here to help you. Get the right questions to start your conversation at lincolnfinancial.com. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Got your emails, faxes, and your notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Gonna read some for all of you folks. It's Denise Graves who can sing opera better than almost anybody in the world. Nigel, why don't you do the Bethesda Bagel ad here? Oh, yeah, we love Bethesda Bagels. You will as well. They've got several locations around the D.C. area. Uh, just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location nearest you and stop by and get things that will make you delighted. And it's officially quarter zip season, so we have a new promo code with Johnny O, TKQZIP. I've got some new pieces arriving for you, Mr. Wow, TKQZIP. That's uh, the code out, you should yeah, use. Yeah, check out the Halpert quilted pullover. You should use the code, people. Use the code. All right, that'll do it for us today. But before we get to the mailbag, I just want to say this is great. Nigel wrote this out. These are some of the lyrics to Mac the Knife. Oh, the shark babe has such teeth, dear, and he shows them pearly white. Just a jackknife has old Mac Heath, babe, and he keeps it out of sight. You know when that shark bites with his teeth, babe? Scarlet billows start to spread. Fancy gloves, oh, where's old Mac Heath, babe? So there's never, never a trace red. I could do the whole song about Miss Lottie Lenya and old Lucy Brown. It's a great song. It's Bobby it Darren's greatest song. Thanks to our guests today. Meet the press host, Chuck Todd, and Ben Ryder, host of the podcast, The Edge. You should listen to it. See if it's any good. You know, give them, give, them a, give them a try. Give them a listen. Thanks as well to our sponsors today. Framebridge, Lincoln Financial, Butcher Box, and of course, Yo-Yo Dine Propulsion Systems. <laughs> Laugh while you can, monkey boy. <laughs> and remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Radio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. So now, so a lot of these things are about Louise, and I thought her last name was Gluck because of the umlaut. I thought it was either Gluck or Gluck. 
And Michael, you say it's pronounced... Apparently it's Glick. Glick. But I want to stay out of this just in case I need to do another interview with Mr. Finer up in Connecticut. Glick. Let's be honest. This comes from Neil in Rockville. Glick might be a great poet, but even in the realm of Hewlett High School, she's number two. Because anything she's written cannot compare to such angst-ridden prose as, I'll do anything for love or I won't do that, or so now I'm praying for the end of time to hurry up and arrive. Because if I got to spend another minute with you, I don't think that I can really survive. That's gold. That's Jimmy Steinman. That's mm -hmm. gold. All right. Um... Before we turn the page on Louise Glick, I love that you are more animated by the fact that her uncle invented the X-Acto knife when she won a Nobel Prize. She wins a million bucks, hobnobs with kings, and gets to wear a medal to anything, anywhere, but no X-Acto. It's like your show bumper where Michael asked Bootsy about the Nationals. Who's your favorite craft tool heiress? Louise Glick. What does Louise Glick do? Goes to my high school. Who's your favorite Nobel laureate? Meh. Wondering if the Swedish Academy serves buffet or sit-down, and whether they go to Ikea for the meatballs. I am Hampton Nager in Dallas, Texas. From Brandon Costello, the new Brandon Costello, singer-songwriter in Lexington, Kentucky. If I'd been heir to the Zacto knife fortune, maybe that would have afforded a leisurely life of writing sad poetry. However, the fact that I was not heir to any fortune at all is exactly what fueled a life of writing sad poetry, Lost in the Weeds. From Clifton Buck, an associate professor at the Skidaway Institute of Oceanography in Savannah, Ooh. Georgia. Ooh. I was listening to your emails of admonishment for lacking the expected enthusiasm for the poetry of Louise Glick. I found my eyelids drooping like a sleeping dean at a poetry reading until I heard your email from Mark Finer of Greenwich, Connecticut. Mr. Finer was my English teacher at the Flint Hill School, eat it, Michael and Saliza, during the mid-90s. Among other academic gifts, Mr. Finer introduced me to the literary importance of Bruce Springsteen's lyrics and to the work of Cormac McCarthy, the latter proving so influential that my eldest, a masculine child, shares the author's name. I didn't actually listen to all of Mr. Finer's email because my mind wandered to so many great memories. Then my kids got in the car and demanded I turn off that show where all I talk about is sports. Thank you for all the laughs over the years and making the world feel just a bit more connected. In closing, if the show needs an official oceanographer, I humbly submit my name for consideration. Clifton Buck's got his PhD. He's got it. He's it. Jim Flynn, Colbert, Connecticut. Tony, you might want to lighten up a little bit on Louise Glick. She tragically lost her roommate sophomore year in a kiln explosion. It's so funny. So funny. Again, Neil in Rockville, like most littles, I had presumed in order to keep socially distant, you would have paid Nigel for, Nigel for the shoes in quarters, which you could have thrown at him from your porch. From Sally Harris in Ottawa in Canada, when you asked Nigel for $10 in change after buying your shoes, I'm surprised he didn't bring a roll of quarters. They would come in handy during the holidays when you tip your garbage men. Yes, I should have. And Steve in McLean, Virginia, or McLean, a postscript on Ian Anderson, who pitched last night, right? Yeah. As was corrected in Monday's mailbag, Ian Anderson was drafted number three overall out of high school by the Braves. He went to Shenandoah High School in the Albany, New York suburbs, a rival high school of mine. I went to Bethlehem Central, where friend of the pod Matt Quattraro went. Matt Quattraro is the bench coach for the Tampa Bay Rays. Bethlehem should be the official Section 2 Class A public high school of the Tony Kornheiser show. Don't choose Shen, which is far inferior. If Saliza had grown up in Albany and gone to a public high school, he would have gone to Shen and upset. Also, at the store the other day, I got a bag of fun-sized payday bars. Didn't eat them on the golf course, but did eat the whole bag in a single day. My four-year-old and 19-month-old split one, but didn't let those freeloaders have any more. 
looks great. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Why do I want to puke? On a moonless night It could be yesterday Or 75 A Scorpio sign Flashed across the sky Was it October Or the 4th of July Oh to be And not to be That is her question And I'm under past the bar all his life a politician and a lawyer but he can still throw farther than Brian Hoyer Stanny Hoyer ain't no Vlad 
Putin, but Stanley Hoyer better back up to Cam Newton. Tell Robert Kraft, the Patriots employer, try Stanley next time over Brian Hoyer. Tom Sawyer He'll get you painting fences That's a fact See for yourself But hey, don't be a voyeur When you let poor Brian go Have some tact Stanny Hoyer His passing ratings vile but it's better than Brian Hoyer's by a mile. Stanny Hoyer, lifelong bureaucrat and lawyer, can still throw better than Brian Hoyer.